a different kind of king. In America, people who came from Europe fled a kingship, and now we elect governors and senators, mayors, city council people. Sometimes we vote for them, sometimes we didn't, and they're still elected. And yet how quickly we forget the last people and we move on. We might give you our vote, but we don't give you much more than that. There's kind of a, there's a little fickleness there. Even in countries where there's a king or queen, you know, God rest her soul. This year, uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed away in September after 70 years. And even that, there was a little bit more of a bond, I think. People felt sad. People felt connected to her. And in her life, earlier in her life, she said, five years before she became queen, she said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we belong. That even as queen, she saw her queenship as in service to others. And so we don't have too many great images of what is it to be a king. In our, in our first reading, 2 Samuel, it says that it wasn't just some of the people, but all the tribes came out to David. That this wasn't a few people voting for him, so to speak, but it was everybody came out. And they said this phrase, they said, here we are, your bone and your flesh. Does that, does that ring in our ears a little bit? Because for Jewish people, that would have, that would have rung. Because it would have echoed Genesis when Adam looks at Eve and he says, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And he forms a covenant with her. And so the language that the people are using with King David is covenantal language. It's, it's we give ourselves to you and you will give yourself to us. You will be our king. And, and it's, a, it's not something that will just be you know, changed in four years when we vote in new people, but it, it's forever. It's, it's a bond. It's, it's a relationship. And so this is the kind of kingship, this is the kind of relationship that God desires with us, that, that he would be our king and that we would be his people and that his kingship would be in service to us, that he would, would hold nothing back for us, from us. St. Paul talks a little bit about the benefits today of this kingship. He says, let us give thanks to the Father who has made you fit to share in the inheritance of the Holy Ones in light. He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That God's kingdom involves redemption. It involves forgiveness of sins, liberation from darkness, which is some pretty good stuff. But yet Jesus, he's a different type of king. His kingship looks different. That you know, when you think of king, think of queen, you think of a palace. You think of power. You think of people coming to serve you. But Jesus tells us in the gospel that I did not come to be served, but to serve. 
in, in a paradoxical way, on this, on this Sunday in which we celebrate Jesus Christ, King of the universe, I, th- I think they say King of the universe because it's like the biggest word that we could think of, right? King of all galaxies, I don't know, whatever. King of the Marvel multiverse, you know, like, it's like the biggest word you could come up with. But he's king of all, you know, all things visible and invisible. And, and so and it's interesting that we're given the gospel that we're given of Jesus being crucified. Did you catch that? Here's Jesus, king of the universe. And what image are we given? The cross. That his kingship is different. And three times in our gospel, we hear people call on Jesus to save himself. The, the rulers, because they, they know how power works. The soldiers, yeah, they know how power works. The criminal who's desperate. They all say, Jesus, save yourself, which, which unfortunately is what a lot of leadership does. At the expense of the people, let me save myself. But Jesus' kingship is different. That Jesus, the only reason he's on the cross is because he chooses to go there. That he chooses to go to the place of suffering, the place of being misunderstood, being persecuted unjustly, being ridiculed. He chooses to go there because that's where you and I are. That he chooses to take on the burden of sin because that's what we, his people, carry. And we have a king who doesn't stand far off and watch, but he draws close and forms this bond with us and wants to carry the weight of sin with us and for us. That our God shows his greatness by drawing close to us in our lowliness. I mean, it's, it's easy to stand with people when everything's going your way. Yeah, we, on Friday, the, the basketball team, they had a, a great win uh, over UC Santa Barbara, who's arguably a much better team than us, but we were better that night. And it's, you know, if our basketball team won every game, wouldn't that be, like, we'd all be there, right? As opposed to our football team yesterday, uh, we lost another close game by two points, and um, afterwards, it was the last game of the season, there were a lot of tears and there were people who wish they weren't there. They, they, there were people who wish they could change the situation, power to make things be different. But you and I, we don't have the power to magically make things be different. We find ourselves in situations that are sometimes really unfortunate. But our God, who's not a fair-weather fan, chooses to draw close to us and to join us in our tears, join us in our sadness. And that he loves us not because we're good and better than others, but because he is good. And we are better when he's with us. And the invitation this day and every day is, can I choose Will I choose, like the people in the Old Testament, will I choose to unite myself with Jesus the King, even though his kingship might look very different? That that living for Jesus' kingship on this campus is not going to give you a royal crown. 
it's more likely to give you a cross. But maybe it's worth it. Because the first criminal says, you know, Jesus, save yourself and us. That, that he wants to distance himself from the cross and its pain. But the second criminal acknowledges his guilt and unites himself to the cross with Christ. That Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That he, he doesn't try to run away, but he chooses to draw near because that's where Jesus is. And Jesus responds to those who embrace the cross with him. Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, as Catholics we say that people will ask, do you have to be baptized to be saved? And the strict answer is, well, Jesus says, unless you're born of water and spirit, it, it seems Jesus is the one who says that, that you need to be baptized. Except that Jesus makes these his own rules. And today, in the words on the cross, that what he's saying is, you can come to me however you are. And if you're willing to embrace your cross with me, that's the path to salvation. That's the path to that better place, the paradise that we all long for, that place where there's no more suffering and pain, where every tear is wiped away. We all yearn for that. That's why it hurts when, when, you lose, when we lose, when, when we lose people, when we suffer. We weren't made for that. We were made for that eternal joy that doesn't end. And so Jesus invites us to share in that kingship. He says, there's other parts in Scripture, just to tie in Mark 10, when James and John said, Lord, grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Like, we want to share in your glory. And Jesus is like, all right. Jesus says to them, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? That he holds the cross out to them and says, if you want the glory, this is the path. And you get to choose. St. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 2, if we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we persevere, we shall also reign with him. So we know the path. It's just really hard. Or, actually, I don't even know that it's very hard. I think sometimes we think it's going to be hard. But, but if I... Because every time a cross isn't given to me, Christ is always there with the cross. And where there's Christ, there's strength, there's redemption, there's peace. In 2006, there was a, a young lady who graduated college, and she wanted to serve and help other college students, so she became a focused missionary. So she served for six years as a focused missionary, serving up in North Dakota. Her name is Michelle. Uh, she left Focus staff in 2012, and she started serving in the Diocese of Bismarck. But two years later, when she went to the doctor, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And yet the people who were around her at that time said, she never said, why is this happening to me? Instead, she said, upon hearing this, I knew that this was God's will and that he would be with me in the midst of whatever would happen. Another time she said, God also allowed me to know that this cross was an invitation to me 
to help bring others closer in their relationship with him. About the same time that she was diagnosed with cancer, her aunt had brain cancer. And Michelle's mother recalls, the aunt told Michelle that sometimes in her suffering, she didn't feel Jesus with her. Michelle told her, sometimes I don't feel him either. Tell Jesus how you feel. He wants to know everything. Just turn to him. And on Christmas Day, at the age of 31, she passed away from cancer in 2015. A little while after her death, a woman who had the same type of cancer went into a doctor for a follow-up appointment. And the doctor came in and said, um, well, meanwhile, this woman, knowing that Michelle had the same cancer, asked for Michelle's intercession. Michelle, if you're with God, pray for me. Um, I want to be healed of this cancer. The doctor came in and said, uh, I'm confused because I don't see the cancer. Um, can I redo these tests? And the woman says, okay, whatever. So she sat there for another couple hours in the doctor's office, and he reran all these tests, and he came back in, and he said, I don't understand it. There's no trace of cancer at all in your body. This week, the U.S. bishops voted to move forward, Michelle, on the path to canonization, acknowledging her as servant of God. A step on the path to canonization. This is a girl who, just a few years ago, she passed away in 2015. She was 31. And yet she trusted in the Lord. And she recognized his lordship in her life and accepted even when it meant a cross, knowing that Jesus was right there with her. That she said yes to following him, whatever it was, on, on college campus, accepting cancer. And the evidence shows us today that her faithful king accepted her into his kingdom.